What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast. And today's guest, we have a legendary one. His name speaks for itself, actor Curtis Cook. What's going on, Curtis? How are you? What's going on, Martin? I don't know if I'm legendary, bro, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it and ride with that. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, no, you, look, man, you've been doing this for a while now. So I think you're you're starting to get into that legendary level. You know, your work speaks for itself. You Thank have a ton of you. You have a lot of ton of work that's then you watch your, your different characters and it's like you, you you're yeah, you're a legend. I'm going <laughs> to you're a legend. But um, so how's your, how's your day going, man? How's uh, how's everything going? How are you handling COVID and everything? Well, COVID is hard, but it's getting easier because of, you know, the vaccine. Make sure everybody out there, please get your vaccination. I know there's a lot of res um, resistance and hesitance. I just say, come on, do it for everybody as well as yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I, have young, I have young children in the house. Well, they're not young anymore. They're 17. They're seniors. It's their senior year in high school. Um, school starts back in a couple of um, weeks. And, this, you know, this be the first time they'll be back in school. You know what I mean? Physically mm -hmm. in school. And I can't wait for these little mother scooters to get on out of here and go on back to school, mom. <laughs> but uh, other than that, man, I did my workout this morning and ran my mile. I did my boxing and I did some jump rope exercising. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm about to eat this protein and uh, and try to keep this old body in shape, man. So I've been having mm -hmm. a great day so far. Yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you sometimes get on live on Instagram live and you post your workouts and everything. It's like, this guy's stays active no matter what there's no breaks for you from what i'm looking at you know especially now with covid happening i'm pretty sure you got to connect with your kids a little bit more as well yes indeed um uh, it, it was cool man because uh you, you know you think you know your people right i mean especially you think you know your family but something like that the, the shutdown and how that really made people really focus on the minute things you know the the minutia of all of it man and and i was finding out things about my children that um that I that I didn't know, um, like uh, um, like some of the peer pressure they had been going through in school, and some of the um, some of the things that I thought they enjoyed but they didn't like anymore. So it was it was it was eye opening, man. And we really had that opportunity to sit down and talk about it and discuss it. And um, I'm hoping that once they get back into this into the environment, that they they'll be better able to deal with it. Um, um, mental health is a big thing. Uh, it was it was kind of rough for a couple of them. Um, for my daughter, uh, so she she started um, therapy, online therapy, just because it was getting tight. You know what I mean? But um, but 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 it's beautiful to have that opportunity and and have the wherewithal to have somebody to sit down and talk to. So I'm 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 happy for the time, and um, I'm glad that we are connected the way that we we have. Um, but I, I'll say this again, like I said before. Okay, y'all need to go to school now. Go ahead. <laughs> I need my break. I need my own time now. Yeah, it's too little, too much. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they've they've also found stuff about you that they didn't they weren't aware of. It's like, oh wow, I didn't know Dad was like this. Like, so I'm pretty sure it's like a vice versa situation as well. I mean, I'm I'm assuming. So I mean, nobody has spoken anything. Been like, oh. Uh, you know, I haven't heard it directly, but it would have had to have been because you, we were seeing each other every day, bro. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? From, I mean, 24 hours a day, literally, because yeah. um, my wife is on Broadway and so Broadway shut down um, and uh, and the children were home for school and, and and I wasn't working. I mean, the shy hadn't started shooting again yet. So I was here. Mm -hmm. We were here every day, 24. Oh, my mother-in-law was here as well. <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so, um, fortunately enough, we have a big enough house where we didn't have to sit on top of each other. So, you know, we yeah. could all kind of go to our respective corners. But um, but still, man, so I'm sure there was a lot of things that they probably know, um, saw about me or learned about me that they were 
shocked about it. And like I said, we would have movie nights. I mean, we had started, none of us had seen Game of Thrones. But oh, we hadn't watched okay. it at all. So we did that whole series. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right, bro. So we would have like movie nights and then we'd, then we'd pop in some other movies, stuff like that. And then we'd sit around and we'd talk about it. And then we would have um, family game night, you know what I mean? Where we'd play games. And then there's back then there was a couple of times where we would even all work out together. You know what I mean? It was uh, like, okay, okay, let's get up and let's just do this workout. But um, you, you know what I mean? That, that That's the upside of all of it, man. And um, this, you know, this Delta variant is coming back around and it's yeah. looking scary. And I'm hoping that we don't get shut down again. Because um, <laughs> you but want that alone time still. You're like, <laughs> well, we're well, most deaf, but I think we're better. We're, we're better equipped this time. You know that exactly. we didn't know when and where, so we were like, what? What's going on? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I think I think now that we have a little more understanding of it, we can probably um, partition our time a little differently and find out other things to do. So, so um, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I'm hoping that the, yeah, you know, yeah, because you don't want, especially now with schools, like you don't want your kids to go in school because some kids don't follow rules. You know, they're still teenagers. You know what I mean? I mean, they're still growing. It's like, oh, whatever. You're a bitch for da 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 da. You can't do this da 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 da. You gotta keep. So it's like it's still kind of scary, scary for like your kids to come from school and come back home. And it's like we gotta go get you tested, even though you have the vaccine or whatever. You know, because that's still people that have the vaccine still kind of get it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's still scary. But um, now you give us the breakdown on where you grew up and where you're from and everything you're from ohio so break that down a little bit so uh yeah man i'm i'm, I'm from dayton ohio um i am the oldest of five children my my um, um clifton cook and alice cook and my parents man um they were together up until the time my mom passed she passed about four or five years ago mm-hmm. um my father's still kicking around out there in dayton um i uh I did musical theater and um, I danced in, in in junior high. I was uh, my father's was a kung fu instructor for a while, so I did martial arts for a long time. I'm um, growing up as well, and um, and uh, and I did drama in school uh, in junior high and high school. Yes. Um, and did, uh, so uh, I am. Um, I, I was early on really interested in the arts just because of the expression in which it gave me, man, because I was the oldest. And so my closest is my sister. She's three years after me, but, but you know, you don't really play around with your sisters. I had a cousin that was two years older than me, but his father was in the service. So they used to travel all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was always by myself, you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to imagine and do kind of things, you know, in my head. And so the arts in itself gave me an outlet, man. Um, um, I grew up in a part of Dayton, which uh, uh, shout out to Dayton, which is a beautiful city. But I grew up on the west side of Dayton, which um, <laughs> some may know is is certain things can happen on in the Westwood area of Dayton that you know you don't want your children to be involved with. And I was a knucklehead, man. I was a I was a knucklehead, and I think I say this a lot: is that the that the arts and and, and theater saved my life, man. I got involved with this organization called the Muse Machine, mm-hmm. which um, basically took. Uh, children, high school children from um, the outer um, Dayton area and, and even um, further out outside Ohio areas. Yeah. And they have these big performances, man. And, uh, and I, and I, and I did well in there. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You moved to London eventually, right? As a teenager. And that, is that where that took you? It took you to London? Yeah, there was a muse machine, man. It was a muse machine who, Miss um, Susie Pisani, who asked me at my senior year, um, what was I going to do after high school? And I was like, well, you know what, Miss Pisani, I'm going to go ahead and go into the Navy because, you know what, after I get out the Navy, I can come back here, get a job, mm-hmm. probably work with my dad and get me a house, you know, and set it all up. And she was like, no, darling, you got too much talent yes. going to the Navy. I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you, Miss White Lady. <laughs> thank you, Miss White Lady, but I'm going to go ahead and do my thing over here. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. But, man, she did know because she set it all up, man. She knew this principal at the, um, 
um, at Mount View Theatre School in London, England, uh, who came to the States every year and had these auditions. And she um, um, convinced him or asked him to come and audition me in here uh, in Dayton, Ohio. And um, and he uh, he liked what I did, brought my parents in, said he would like to give me a position in the school. I get back home, man. My parents are not looking happy like I'm looking. And they're like, yeah, this is great. But, you know, we we ain't really got it like that. We ain't got those funds yeah, to kind of help you. So um, we went back and told Miss Bassani. I was like, thank you very much. And um, I'm going to have to, you know, pass on this yes, because we yes. can't do it. And she was like, no, 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 give me a second. And um, thanks to her and the school and, and the universe, man, and all my answers, I got a full ride. So I got a full ride to that Plus. Yeah, man. And um, super, it changed once again. Blessed. It changed my yeah, life, yeah, man. Yeah. But now, growing up, obviously, the inspiration was like film and theater and all of that. Who were some of your inspirations, actor-wise or theater actor-wise and film-wise? Who were, who inspired you mostly? Like, you're like, man, I want to actually do that character. Because I'm an actor as well. You know what I mean? Oh, so, okay. like, so for me, it was like Marlon Brando, Pacino, Robert De Niro, um, you know, those those, those types of characters. So I, and I kind of stuck with, with them. You know what I mean? And then I also went to film school as well. I went to New York Film Academy. Oh, nice. And so I, I learned and my favorite technique became Meisner. Mm -hmm. so I'm very like all about the, the real emotion, no acting. So who was who was who was that for you? Um, so I watched a lot of TV growing up and I, I thought at one point I was just going to be a singer, right? A singer and dancer. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I Ivan Dixon has always been somebody who spoke out. I mean, whenever I saw him on stage mm -hmm. um, or not on stage, primarily in film and, and television, he always caught my eye. So um, Ivan Dixon was somebody. But then people used to always compare me when I was younger to um, Ben Vereen. Oh, nice. a little young Ben Vereen. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> um, so, you know, then I started watching Ben because, you know, that was in his, I mean, he's still doing amazing things to this day. Um, he's actually one of my frat brothers. Um, he, uh, you know, he's, he's Roots, you know, he was Chicken George over in Roots. And then, of course, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and he did uh, Ten Speed and Brown Shoe yes. and, and uh, Pippin. You know, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. So those, um, and then, of course, Sidney Portier was was kind of a, a model for a lot of young black um, actors mm -hmm. like myself who was coming through just to show that that the elegance and dignity and, and how to capture an, an audience. So so those were definitely some people. But then there was people in my neighborhood, man. I um, actually saw, I can't remember the man's name right now, but... Um, Oh, I wish I had it at the tip of my tongue, but I can't barely remember my children's names half the time. But um, this gentleman—he <laughs> used to do commercials, right? And I remember being young. I, I would say roughly around about seven or eight years old, Marin, and um. And uh, he was he was doing commercials on TV. And my mom said to me one day, she was like, oh, I went to high school with him. And I was thinking, mom, you didn't go to high school with him. He's a movie star. He's an she was like, no, I did. So she went and she got her yearbook and she showed me this picture of this man. And at that time, man, I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. this guy from Dayton, Ohio, he can he done did this and he done moved out and he done made it into this, you know, into yeah, Hollywood or whatever. So that that was actually another inspiration. I mean, um. Uh, to me, somebody, I can't remember his name, dang it. But I met him like years ago, like maybe seven years ago. I was coming out of an audition. I think it was even longer than that, maybe like nine years ago. <laughs> I was coming out of a, a commercial audition in, in New York. And so he so happened to be auditioning as well. And I saw him, man, on the street. And I went up to him. And he's, of course, he's my mom's. He was my mom, so he's a little older than me. Um, and I was like, uh, sir, I, I just want to let you know, you don't know me. Um, I've been watching your career for all these years. You actually went to school with my mom. And I started telling him. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember Alex. I was like, yeah, man. But um, you were one of the reasons that told me that I can do that. I just started breaking down, man. I was sitting out on the street, in the middle of the street, crying in front of this man. I didn't know because I didn't know how much of an impact he had really had on me, man. It's like, you changed my life, man. You showed me that it was possible to do. He's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just, 
I just want to acknowledge you and, and give you your flowers now, bro, because you're yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Now, and then when you moved to London, obviously you you come from Ohio, and I, I have a friend of mine who's actually from Marion, Ohio, which okay. is an even even smaller town. He told me because I was like, hey, I'm interviewing this guy that's from Ohio. He's from Dayton. He's like, oh, that's like four thousand people, like two thousand people. And you go to Marion, it's like four hundred people. It's like wow. So you moved to London. Was that like a, how how much of a culture shock was that for you? It was a major culture shock, man. I mean, when I when I left to go to school, um, I had never ridden a plane before, Martin. I had never flown. I had never. The furthest we had traveled was like Pittsburgh, you know what I mean, in a car, on a car trip, because that's where my father was originally from. Right. Um, and so I get there, man, and this was the first time I've ever been, you know, you had to ride the tube, the subway. And um, mm-hmm. I had never been in a, in a place where there were um, so many different cultures, so many different um, um, nationalities, so many different um, languages, you know, all in one place, like a New York City. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And so I, I, m- I remember one little, little corny little story, but I, I, I land in London. And I have to use the bathroom real bad. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like in, in, the, in the late 80s, you know, about yeah. 86, 87, mm-hmm. 86. So I'm like, um. I'm running through the through the room. I'm um through the uh, airport, and I'm like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Can you tell me where the bathroom is? And people are looking at me like I'm crazy, right? Yeah, and I'm not speaking. It's clear. I'm, I got this Dayton accent, you know what I mean? In my mm-hmm. in my voice, and it's like I'm from the streets. And I'm like, hey, excuse me, do you know where the bathroom is? And they're like, what, what? I'm like, the bathroom. I know y'all got a bathroom in here somewhere. Everybody's looking at me crazy. I mean, come to find out that they don't call it a bathroom, so they're okay. thinking, what is this man running? This boy talking about he wants to take a bath in a room because mm-hmm. um, they call it the you know the loo or the toilet, the loo. Yep. Mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, what? When so that was a silly story, but it was like that was my experience for my first full year, man. Every time I would say something, people would be like, "Huh? What are you talking about?" It was like this huge culture shock for me. But I will say this, man: the, the learning and the experience I got, um, it was difficult um, because I was far behind um, in my studies. But I had teachers who were patient enough to give me time to um, to, to to delve into to, to the um, the lessons um, mm-hmm. and uh, bring it back. Uh, the next day because that first year was rough, 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 man. I um I thought they were going to kick me out at one point because I just couldn't yeah. keep up. Man. I couldn't. I mean, because, you know, they're reading Moliere and Shakespeare. like in Yeah, their theater is very different compared to American theater. Right. And so I was coming in there mm-hmm. thinking, you know what, we're just going to be doing some improvisations and stuff, and you know, singing and dancing. I was like, oh, I'm ready. It was like, no, 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 but you had to hit these classics and you have to be able to speak it mm-hmm. and say it as if it's like, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a poem. Uh, Richard Wright mm-hmm. home or something like that. So, uh, so, so I, I made it through, man, and, and it, it was a hard work. Um, I say uh, we have we work from morning to night. I mean, you had to be in, you had to be at school roughly around about seven thirty, yeah. eight o'clock, and then we normally didn't get out until like midnight or so. I mean, you were lucky if you got out around. Yeah, midnight. crazy. Because yeah. I'm because I'm originally from Albania. You know what I mean? So oh. for me, coming to America at like two thousand. You know, in Europe, you kind of learn the British English. You don't learn the the American English. So when I came here, and I said this story before, like I, I, instead of saying can't, I should say can't. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do this. And you can't say can't. You have to say can't. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Like slang? Like, I can't do this slang stuff. Like can't, can't. Like, for, for me, British English was proper. It was like the proper way, the, the upper echelon way of doing things. And then, but I was fortunate enough to move to D.C., to where mm-hmm. I learned the lingo, like the Ebonics, the the uh-huh. slang, the this ain't it. And I, and I started using ain't and doing it. And then I fell in love with hip hop. And then that kind of helped me with my English as well. And then it just it just it just cut it shorter for me. And for me, it was the same. It was the same thing. It was like culture shock. Here I am in this all black D.C. school and I'm the only European. European there. And obviously, you know, somebody would always pick on me. And then it was like, well, you got to understand, I come from a third world country where 
you don't really get picked on easily. So I had to learn that. I had to learn to stand up for myself with no English. All I knew was yes, no, can't, can't. And it was just very difficult. So I completely understand the culture shock review. Yeah, it was very, but then like you could see, I don't have an accent at all. Mm-hmm. But I came here when I was 10. So that's like a different, you know, you, your body, your brain is still developing. And then I moved to Virginia, okay. which is a completely like suburbs and like clean streets. And like you, the guy comes and moans your lawn in the morning. It's like, what is this? Like, I'm not used to this. Like, this is. Do you have siblings? Do you, did you come by yourself? Or did you come I, with- I have two older brothers, two older, older brothers. brothers. So uh-huh. I came in with my parents. You know, I came here with like what they call a lottery. Like where you put in your name and then they pick you to go to America. Like the first letter is like you apply. The second letter is you've been accepted. The third letter is this is the date you're supposed to leave. Oh, man. So it's like I came here with a green card. You know what I mean? And then after five years, you get your passport. And now when I go back to Europe with an American passport, it's like I have a really strong, powerful booklet in my hand. Mm. It's like you can't. In Albania, every time I'm like, yeah, I'm an American. They're just like backing up it's like whoa like you can't touch this kid this kid has too much power and it's just yeah it's just that crazy and the funny thing is i grew up behind an american embassy in albania Mm. so it was Mm. like right there and you know my mom was an architect my dad was a radio electronic engineer so it's like i had a really like decent life you know i didn't have to be in the streets too much you know what i mean be in the street to play soccer with my friends you know we didn't have video games like that we that video games wasn't our thing it was like you go outside Till eight in the morning, you come back at 10 at night. There was no curfew. Wow. That's how you grew up. Where are you now? I I mean, I'm I'm in New York. I'm Uh in New York right now. So it's like, so when I came to New York, it was like nothing different because New York to me is a third world country mentality with money. Right. With money. Uh That's the way I look at it. So it was like, so I totally get the call. And now, do you go back to London a lot or? Oh, I have not been at, back to London since I graduated, since I since I left. Mm. Um, and that was a hard, you know, like, it, it, I, I'm glad for the experience. I'm glad for what I've learned. And I will take that with me everywhere I go. But there's still a place in my in my soul where I, I get like anxiety thinking about if I were to ever step back close to there. Because it was it was tough, man. It was mm-hmm. it was not like roses. It was not like, oh, this is whatever it was. It, it, sometimes I can think of nice things that happened and how they came out. But a lot of it was, um um tough learning you know what i mean they were and and um how should i say they i would say they wanted the best for me so they wouldn't let me slide i'll say it like that Mm. so they wouldn't let me go by around any corners if i didn't produce well i would get in my opinion humiliated i mean like i said there was a lot of just just a lot of lingo like small things i just didn't know just because i hadn't you know i mean i wasn't from there and so a lot of times in group meetings and group sessions, I didn't, you know, I was kind of behind. I'm sounds a lot like your story a little bit. Like I didn't know the language basically. Yes, you know what yeah. I mean? So I'm trying, I was always trying to play catch up. Um, yeah. um, but um, there was, a, I, I still have a few friends um, from there. Uh, actually. Like they don't call it under, they don't call it subway over there. They call it underground. And it's like, what, the, what, what is this? Like, what? No, I'm used to New York. Give me, cause my, cause I have, my brother lives in London. You know what I mean? Okay, so, like, okay. so he lives in the Richmond area, you know? So he lives uh-huh. in a quiet, peaceful area. So when I went there, I was like, uh, where's the subway? They're like, subway, you mean the sandwich shop? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, not the sandwich shop. Like, oh, you mean the underground? I was like, oh right. yeah. But yeah, continue. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. It was, I mean, like I was just saying, so when I think about it, I haven't been back at all. And um and I don't have any major. I mean, 
as a tourist, maybe, you know, maybe to take the children and, and my wife and everybody mm-hmm. there just to kind of see where I was and what, but that was a long time ago, man. That was over 30 mm-hmm. years ago. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. um, so it's, it's a whole different place. Even, even my, from my first year to my third year there, the city had changed. When I first went there, there was red um, phone booths all over the place, you know, those huge red phone booths. And by the time of my third year, they had already gotten started, gotten rid of all, a lot of those. And they started using those half phone booths. I mean, I'm saying phone booths, everybody probably now, mm-hmm. about, oh, <laughs> what the hell is a phone booth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just dated myself majorly. But uh, so, so, so I, I'm sure that everything has changed there. And, um, and you know, oh, who knows? Wow. How things have things um, come around, and, and maybe I'll um, maybe I'll do a play there, or maybe I'll shoot a film or a television. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to take your children there. You know, just be like, this is where I pretty much was built as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that'd be that'd be it's, it's a. But I thought because I thought you went like there frequently because I was like that must be like your third home. So you have like favorite spots, favorite restaurants, favorite you know sections. And but when I when I go to London, like the phone booths have become the new the new antiques now on the okay. road. The yellow is like everyone uses technology, obviously, cell phones and everything. So every time you could tell you're a foreigner when you're taking a photo next to a phone. Booth. <laughs> right, you right. Tell. It's like you're a foreigner. <laughs> I can tell. But, you know, I'm fortunate enough to where I didn't have to go to the touristy parts because my brother lived there. He was like, let me take it to the authentic English. Mm-hmm. Take it to the authentic restaurants and the, the real nitty gritty of England. Like, let me so you can see the real England. And there's over 68,000 pubs in England, which wow. is Every single corner that was a, every it's a pub. Corner, every, every corner there's a pub. Yeah. Yeah. Every corner there's a pub. They are well used, let me tell you that as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are well used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, for me, it was the bathroom. Like, I used them, I used the, the pubs as a bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> there's a pub right there. Awesome. And you don't have to buy anything. You know, certain restaurants in America, you have to buy something to use the bathroom and they give you a code. And there's right. no codes over there. It's like, here's the bathroom right over there. Oh, did you want a, another drink? I'm like, oh, I didn't get a drink. Oh, that's cool. Have a nice day. Right, right. It was like it was like that kind of. So yeah, I mean, England for me is is pretty much a second home. You know, I love going over there. So it's like, and now America just opened up the borders too, to okay. go over there. So I'm thinking of going back and just doing photography there because I do photography as well. So cool. it's it's just one of those things. But now moving on, this question right here is very tricky because a lot of people don't have a tough time. If your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Wow. What tracks would I pick? Mm. My life, so um, so it's like decades and stuff too. I mean, I definitely. I mean, let's let's let me try this because I don't not particular songs, but I know that um, Curtis Mayfield would be a part of it, right? Mm. He yes. would be in there, and then and then there would definitely be Stevie Wonder, you mm. know, as I come into my um, you know young man years, and then we would probably move into. Um, uh wow <laughs> cool in the game nice people nice people bryson and then we probably get into then we start with the rap era right then we you know curtis blow was them and you know and um run dmc they were big you know for me that was mm-hmm. those were my um idols uh then no rock him no rock him no no because i was no nah, i mean because i was dating you know what i mean in new york for me and all that whole kind of sound was was foreign, you know. Um, uh, okay. uh, it, it, it was a different. I mean, although that you know, um, Run DMC was from New York as well, but they they were they were less. Uh, uh, how do I say? 
political. You know what I mean? They were a little more, you know, they, their, their songs were so in, so in Dayton, we weren't that hardcore yet. And, you know, back yeah. in, you know <laughs> just kind of still talking about walk this way. We were, we weren't, you know, we weren't, <laughs> my Adidas. We yeah. Like, yeah. We weren't really talking about, you know, let's change some shit because this stuff is wrong right now. We yeah, need to, yeah. you know, we were like, ah, you know, yeah. um, and then, uh, you know, going into my later years, man, I, I, I started listening to more, um, um, like uh, jazz and you know, Gregory Porter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I, Miles could have been in there in the beginning too, but that just would have been like uh, a little too much for for young. Like Kirk. John Coltrane and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, Miles Davis and and, and and all of them. But um, but now now man, I uh, I'm really getting into um, I've been listening a lot to um, um, Burner Boy, and mm, uh, okay. and uh, and um, um, George um. Gregory Porter, Gregory Porter kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, th- those are uh, some of my immediate go-tos when I just want to like feel good, I have a good time. And uh, um, I just started, I, I played Nas's new album the other day. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of walking through that and seeing how it's doing. So far, I'm, I'm digging it. But um, so I know I didn't really answer your question. I just kind of- That's all right. No, no, no. Because you, <laughs> but, you, but you mentioned my favorite rapper, Nas. Like that's- okay, okay. Like Nas is like from Illmatic to now is still, he's still up there. Like the top five, if I were to do top five MCs, I would probably do Nas. I'm very, I'm, I'm a very nineties hip hop kind of cat. Like I love the nineties. Like I'm very like Nas. From, and then you have Guru from Gangstar and then you have Biggie, Big Pun, and you know, the, the, the that type of bunch. And then sometimes I'll throw in Big Daddy Kane or, or okay. Rakim or, or Jay-Z or, Mm-hmm. You know, and then diggable planets. If I want to feel oh. like a hipster, you know it's what funny. I mean. Nobody can ever really touch man, and he doesn't get enough um, play in my head like, to, from people. It's KRS One, man. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Man. the he, teacher. Yeah, man, he's the truth, bro. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think he gets left off a lot of people's list, but I, um, I don't really know if I have a top five. But, but if I did, I know KRS One would be in there. KRS One would be. Uh, I mean, it's just like, and I love this. I love studying hip hop. I like. I would sit there like a nerd every Saturday, watch BET Top Twenty Five Countdown, <laughs> and I would just absorb hip hop. And it's like. And I, and I was like, yo, but then I started getting into like the behind the scenes. Yo, who manages these people? Who's the manager behind these people? And then I started getting into like behind the scenes people. So I know like, uh, what's his name? Russell Simmons. And, you know, I started getting to the, to the big heads and then you kind of go into the God, uh, what was his name? Uh, Clarence Avant. you know what I mean? He's big behind the scenes. You know what I mean? So I started becoming more into like behind the scenes and, but that's like my thing. Like hip hop is a very, very, it's a, like lyrics have gone, have gone me through a lot in life. Like I, I, I just lyrics alone, just help me get through life. Like little messages, like, you know, it's just, it's just that for me. Beautiful. But, and then if I want to read, I'll go to like John Coltrane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Cause it helps like, if you listen to jazz, it kind of helps you build the story in your head when you're reading something like right now I'm reading Dapper Dan's memoir. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh I just, you know, he's talking about the Harlem days, you know, back in the day, the Renaissance days. You know, you want to put jazz behind that. You're like, okay, I see it. And I and then having lived in Harlem, you kind of understand it a little better, you know. So it's like I understand this culture a little more, even though like I'm not like a part of it, I could still kind of I kind of get it, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. so because that's what I was introduced to, you know. I move into DC, and that's the first thing they throw you. It's like hip hop. Mm-hmm. And it's all of that R&B, you know, R&B wise, Lauren Hill, you know, Alicia Keys, Mary J. Blige, you know, stuff like that. So but now back to the to the film and this stuff, mm-hmm. out of all the characters you've played, which one do you find yourself more relatable to? Wow. Uh, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if I uh, think of it in in that way. I okay. I think that all of them are part of me, definitely, right? Because um, that's what I'm that's what I'm drawing from. But I would like to think that I, um, in the soup that I'm making, I I add uh, some of me, some of the people that I know, and then some of the homework and um, studying, um, you know, to create the character as well, and then kind of come up with this 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 person. Um, uh, and then I, and I quickly try to shed them, you know what I mean? So I can try mm-hmm. to get on to the next thing because I, I try really hard not to be, um, stuck in a, in a certain, I'm doing air quotes right now, type, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the shy, you know, um, Otis Duda Perry has been, has been my most constant character to date. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of people are finding me and recognizing me and, and, um, from, from that, which I'm, I'm not mad at at all because I think he's a very complicated and, um, an interesting um, individual. You know what I mean? I think he has a lot of places to go. So I like that, that it's just not one note. And very, very yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when you first, when I first started watching The Shy, it was it was the look for me. Your look, I was like, yo, he's got a really gangster look. Like he, he, he's got that tough look in him. It's like that serious look. I'm like, yo, I, I dig this character. And then your character kind of developed. Like, you know, you started from the food stop, from the, uh, from the food truck. Mm-hmm. And now you're on the position to be mayor. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was that character development like? How did you develop that character as the years go, went on? It was a, it was a lot, man. I, um, um, it was a lot of research went into that. I started looking at a lot of, um, gangs um all the way back until like you know Harlem Renaissance times and and how they organized themselves and what was important to them and what was mm. their what was their real mission because it wasn't just about you know what killing each other or whatever exactly yeah, it was yeah, about yeah. you know helping the community and getting money and trying to build stuff for the people mm-hmm. around them and then of course then people get greedy and blah 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 you know what I mean all and, of that jazz yeah mm-hmm. so so I was looking into a lot of that and um and then of course you know you always kind of start inward right you kind of start with what you know first mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so a lot of his manner Duda's mannerisms um, and, 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 and intonation, I kind of took directly from my family, like my grandfather and my father, um, and then myself, because those, those are some black men who I really respect and, and look up to a lot. And so, so, I, um, so fortunately, I had them to kind of to model a lot of his stuff up, and then I just kind of branched it out from there. Um, the beautiful thing that Lena, Lena Waithe and, and Showtime and 20th television gave me the opportunity to do was to continue to develop him. Right. Cause they could have easily just made him some just evil black. Dude. Yeah. And I thought you were going to like, I thought they were going to kill you off. Like mm-hmm. the third season, I was like, yo, they're going to kill this character off. Like he seems too aggressive for this. Like, so, but I kept, they kept you going, but yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So, and, and, and I, and I appreciate that a hundred percent. Um, um, and so, you know, at the end of three, uh, he, he runs for mayor and he wins, right? Mm-hmm. So then we have this whole season four that just aired. He uh, It's like, what does he do as mayor? And I really like the way that they brought in, you know what, he's not just about, you know, making money, you know, the quick grab, you know, and go. It was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something for the community again. Um, you know, he def- defunds the police, exactly. which is a very hot topic. And it's like, whoa. And, you know, out of all the people to do that, it's it's, it's interesting that is, that is Duda, right? Somebody mm-hmm. who's probably giving the police more business than they ever had before mm-hmm. on one hand, <laughs> but two is like, you know what? No, you are, you, you know, you're taking out our young black brothers very easily. And, and I'm now in a position to stop you from doing that. Now we know this is fiction and, you know, Americans, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's, it's in that world of what if and what if and how so. Um, and I like the fact that they gave, <laughs> gave that character the opportunity to do it. So mm-hmm. I'm, um, I, uh, 
I, I, I always enjoy a challenge, especially when it's acting and um, enable, making me mm-hmm. dig for and whatnot. And then this year as well, they gave him a love interest. So you got to see a little softer side of duty. You exactly, know what I mean? Yeah. And try to deal with the real relationship, you know, because, you know, him and his wife were having troubles and whatnot, whatnot. But, and, and we'll see what happens next season, man, because mm-hmm. um, um, I think there's some places for him to go. But I ain't going to lie to you, Myron, but I, 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 I do like him when he's beating people, that beating them down sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, when, he, when he rolls up and he's like, okay, I told you to stop and you're not stopping. Because yeah, um, yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's a straight shooter, man. He's an exactly. honest dude, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not like what he said, but when he says something to you, like if he's like, oh, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get you out of this jam. Now, there's going to be something you have to pay for that, but he's going to help you out. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if he says, you know what, let's not do that again. I don't want you to do that. That's wrong. And you continue to do it. You're going to have to pay for it. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? And mm-hmm. th- I think in general, those type of people, you just know where you stand, right? You know what? Um, I can leave them alone or not leave them alone, or I can use them or not, or use them. So I I, um, I respect uh, Duda for that. And I um Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned beating up. So then you mentioned karate, like you meant martial arts in the beginning. And there was the last scene, I think it was the last episode of the season four where you took the took the guy, I forget, the, the ball dude down. And it was like, uh-huh. there was a little bit of a martial arts in there, if you think about it. I'm like, how much of that was like, you and then like the, the, the stunts and everything, like the stunt double or whatever? Was that was that all you? Uh, as far as the hitting stuff, it was all me. There was no stunt double. But um, of course, it was a stunt coordinator who kind of mm-hmm. gave me all the moves and you know what to do and how to do it. But that was Joel. Joel. Joel um, is is the, is the man's name, but the character. Yeah, name yeah, Marcus. yeah, yeah. Character's name was Marcus. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that cane. So it was a couple of times, you know, they gave me this one little flimsy cane because you know a rubber cane because just in case I accidentally hit him, to you know, they didn't want me to use a real cane, obviously. Mm-hmm. So one couple of takes, the cane would be all bent into like a C. So it's like, okay, <laughs> we have to cut because this doesn't look like a cane anymore, y'all. It looks like mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, you know, I, I think people, I think the audience was definitely waiting for for the 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 reshowing of of Duda of old and I am um, and I and I like the fact that we did show um him that way because uh because of the other stuff I had been able to do you know what I mean I had been able to show this a whole array of emotions a whole array of um uh sides of of this dude and mm-hmm. to go back to that i think is is, is beautiful was beautiful for him yeah i mean I've, i i love your characters cuz i'm i'm all about good gangster movies and that whole mafia situation that whole like i just any character like, i always root for the evil when it comes <laughs> to movies i'm like i'm rooting for the evil and so i'm i'm super glad that they kept your character going and going and going because you need that you need that balance that good versus evil you definitely need it in, you definitely need that in movies you can't just be all happy go lucky you know what i mean like sex in the city is all happy go lucky and then i've heard people come into new york and be like wow i really thought it was gonna be like sex in the city <laughs> no it's not oh, like sex right. in the city you are bugging if you think New York City is sex in the city. No, this is not Soho. You are bugging. Like, we're not here talking about, no, Birkin bags. No, you see crackheads in the corner still shooting heroin. And it's like mind blowing. And so it's like, so I love that the balance between, because I was, I also interviewed Robin, who's also in the show. Okay. Um, but I interviewed her like a long, long time ago. I wish they give her more, a little bit more. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see more of that because I feel like she keeps a balance in like, um, 
she's just a straight shooter, like your character in a way. Like the advice is like, yo, this is how you should do things, you know. And sometimes she doesn't get listened to, and it's like, yo, listen to this character, develop this character a little more. So, but I guess that's for the writers to do, you know. And it's not up yeah. to me. Um, but you know, what do you think the end goal for Perry is? Yeah, man, um, that's the that's the thing. I, I think that it's um, it's uh, it's open ended because it's life, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that after what happened, okay, so this is my theory in general. I don't know if you saw the finale or not. Or yes, I did. I, I, in my, in, and I'm not trying to protect Perry by any means, yeah. but I feel like he was justified in everything that he did, right? The mm-hmm. only time that Otis Duda Perry lied in this whole season, or even the whole thing, was when he said to Tracy at the dinner table, when she said, mm-hmm. did you do this to, to, to Marcus? And he said, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. That's the, and he lies. And I think he lies because he the last time you know she left him in the hospital, and he's like, you know what? I don't want her to do this again. And he's like, oh, please don't leave me. So mm-hmm. he, he got caught up. He's like, no, no, I didn't do that. I would never do that. You know what I mean? Just in hopes to keep her there. But I think that everything he did, so when he actually beat down Marcus, he came there, they went there to have a conversation. They were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Conversation turned left. Marcus was throwing all these things at him and dude was like, no, that's not true. This is what I would do. Blow, no, that's not true either because that's what I would do. So you know what? I'm going to leave. And at the end, Marcus said something like, all your son had to do was show him your show him his license. And dude is like, okay, you know what? You know what? No, that is not how it works. Okay, you know, <laughs> and I'm leaving. You know, that's the end of it. I'm going to leave. He puts his glass down and gets ready to go. And then Marcus says some really dumb stuff, right? He's like, mm-hmm. you know, you keep your your son away from my daughter because you know I don't want her to have a bad influence. But it's like, really, dude, really, yeah, yeah. your daughter is she left her boy and went over here and she's yeah. suspended from school. She's it ain't he ain't did nothing. It's your daughter who mm-hmm. did that. And then on top of that, he's gonna hit him, bruh. Mm-hmm. He's gonna hit Duda. It's like mm-hmm. one of those things like you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. If you're gonna hit somebody like that, you need to be ready for the consequences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And not only did he hit Duda, he, Duda, he hit the mayor of Chicago. Exactly. Just go yeah. around and hit a mayor somewhere. Just go punch a mayor and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. see how the well that goes. <laughs> so he beats him down, whatever, whatever, whatever. Maybe he goes too far. Okay, okay. Maybe he does go a little too far. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he just got shot. You don't know what kind of trauma he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know what kind of PTSD he's what's going through his mind he he's not at home he doesn't know if marcus got a gun underneath the back he can you know crawl over and grab his piece that he's hiding under the seat and shoot you know what i mean there's all mm-hmm. kinds of defenses so where does duda go from there i feel like he's like he's definitely has a plan because duda plays chess while everybody else is playing checkers that's the first thing and i think that he cares about the community and he does care about those young men that are there. And, and I, I think he's going to, I don't know what the writers are setting up for season five and, you yeah. know, I don't even know whatever, but I do think that there's a place in which we need, like you said before, a huge shadow to make everybody um, do their job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to make somebody feel like, okay, you know what? If he comes back, we need to make sure this is on point because balance, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't want him to come back and try to mess this up. And Exactly. So we just need that balance in there and um, um, and how that happens and how it presents itself. I'm, 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 I'm really yeah. excited. Yeah, I'm excited for season five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, phew. such a great show, man. Such a great show. And there's so many good characters got killed off and it's like, why did you do that to that character? Why did you do this to the character? No. But again, we'll see how how that that you know plays out. Now, West Side Story, elaborate a little bit on the character Abe and working with Spielberg. 
Yeah. Well, I can't really say too much about my character because then I'll probably, my computer will probably blow up and yours will too. And then people will be searching for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. It's a big thing. But, um, uh, working with, um, Mr. Steven Spielberg was, was amazing, man. And you know, the thing that I've learned from being, having an opportunity to work with like, you know, legends and, and greats like that is that they give you the space to do what you do. They, they're not, um, uh, micromanaging, you know, the, the your skills or, or or anything, they're really allowing you to come here and bring your best self because because that's what that's why you're hired. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 there's a so when you walk into the set, um, it's it's like oh man, it's like playing, right? It's like it's it's truly like everybody knows their knows their stuff. Everybody's ready because it's Spielberg. Nobody wants to be called yeah, out. Like, exactly. I, don't, I don't know my line. I, nobody wants to be called out. So everybody comes there and they're ready and they're prepared. But then you kind of feel like, oh, wait a minute, I can I can do this too? It's all right to try this as well? He's like, yes, this is what we're here to do. We're here, we're artists. We're here to create art. And art is messy and art is invigorating and art is ugly and art is beautiful. So let's do that in this space. And so it's like having a, 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 a $400 million playground, bruh. You know, you got real cameras, you got real angles, you got, you know what I mean? And it's like, mm -hmm. so it's, it, I mean, it was the same way when I worked on um, Shutter Island with um, Scorsese. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's like, you know, you get in these places and you, you're you you're nervous and you're scared and you want to bring your A game and then you get there and you just feel like these guys are like, no, 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 go ahead, let's go. Let's see what mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? And they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, of course they're going to direct you. It's like, well, you know what? Let's push a little more in that direction. Mm -hmm. Or they will ask, what do you think about this? Does that seem like something that your character would do? Or how how you think he would be there? And you're like, um, yes, if you want me to. <laughs> like, no, 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 not if I want you to. What do you want to do? it? Do you mm -hmm. want to do it? So, you know, and I was fortunate enough, like I said, with, with Scorsese and Sidney Pollack to have known that. So when I got there and realizing that he's also one of those greats, I was like, hey, let's go. And, and some of the scenes, man, um. I hope that you know you you never know what ends up being on the on the yeah, screen or whatever. But, that's but tricky part. yeah, but but those days, man, it was like wow. This is the reason, one of the reasons why I'm in this business because of the artistry and being able to express your art the way that I was in this musical. And and you know, like I said before, I started off my whole career just just wanting to do musical theater, man. That's all I wanted to do, and to have my face, this black man's face in a um iconic white puerto rican and white um musical um that was never there before when i you know which i which i feel like should have been there you know because mm -hmm. there were black folk walking around new york city in 1954 1957 yeah of course so, yeah. you know so where are they and the fact that now that they are here and i am a representation of that man is so amazing to me mm -hmm. um and i also got to work with arthur lawrence who was the original writer of the of west side story the um mm, the, the, nice. the, the play and and um he's he's gone now pat um, you know god rest his soul but um but you see what I mean, though? You are a legend in your own way. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, you just mentioned, like, you just, like, a little subtle flex here. And then Scorsese, you know, <laughs> it's like, you, you know what I mean? So give yourself a little bit more credit on that part. Because I met another actor who was who worked at, actually, Sex and the City. I met him in Art Gallery. He's, he paid the, the gay best friend. And I was okay. like, man, you're a legend in your own way. And he's like, oh, come on, man. I'm just a regular actor trying to make a paycheck. And I'm like, no, man. Like, you know, actors need to give themselves a little bit more credit, you know, because it's, it's tough to, to act. You know, I mean, you're on set for 13, 14 hour days. You know what I mean? It's like here you are fucking up your emotions like you, you're just going from one emotion to another and then you're emotionally drained. Yeah. Yep. So yep. that that work is very it's very so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well, because I've, I've actually watched a bunch of your stuff and it's like, 
wow. And then I saw you on the shy and I was like, this guy's everywhere. It's almost like Jeffrey Wright. Uh-huh. I, I almost felt like Jeffrey, you were like a Jeffrey Wright to me. It's like, Jeffrey Wright is like, I seen him in one thing and I seen him in nothing. And it's like the same thing, you know, not, you know, I'm not comparing the two, but it's like that same feeling. It's like, wow, these guys are working. And you could tell that their, their characters are developing their, each character is like has more lines or has more character development in each movie. You know what I mean? You don't just have a small role. You're, you're getting bigger as, as time goes, you know what I mean? So that's amazing to see. So I always, I always like to give flowers like that. You know what I mean? Here's your flowers. And so I appreciate stuff like that. Thank you, man. Thank you. you. Know, so, um, but now towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questionnaires that I got from James Lipton's inside the actor studios. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I honor him because he passed away and I kind of honor him with these questions. And the first question is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word is, um, yes. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite word? Can't or can't. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what turns you on in life? Love. I love love, man. I love love. I, I would. I love love. What turns you off in life? Hmm. Disrespect. Dis- disrespectful people. Just disrespect. Just have no regard for anybody else's space, property, livelihood, or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What sound or noise do you love? Children and babies laughing. Nice, nice. What sound or noise do you hate? Jackhammers in the early morning, like mm-hmm. jackhammers, like turn up the concrete in the early morning. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Motherfucker. <laughs> you use that a lot on the shy too, as well. <laughs> so you kind of emphasize it a little better. Uh, so now I, I now I get it. Now I totally get it. Uh, <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? It's tough. Yeah. I I don't, um, maybe a surgeon, maybe like something like a heart surgeon. Mm. And, you know, it would help, you know, folks. What profession would you not like to do? A judge or a police officer. Um, I don't know, man, pick one of those. Um, uh, maybe I'll say a judge. Judge. Um, if, and the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I think that heaven does exist. And um, if I'm fortunate enough to go there, I hope she says, um, your mom's been waiting for you. She wants, um, she wants you to come over and have, have something to eat. Mm-hmm. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Yo, yeah, so social media, I'm on um, all platforms. It's Curtis Cook, you know, mm-hmm. C-U-R-T-I-S-S-C-O-O-K. Um, I, uh, yeah, and I don't really have much to say, but I, I appreciate this time, man. I appreciate this opportunity to just to sit and talk and meet new people, bro. And um, this has been really enlightening to me. Uh, I, I don't take it lightly. I mean, anytime two souls or two energies connect and just have a conversation, it, it, it reverberates out into the space. And so I appreciate you um, taking the time with me and, um, and all the folk who are um, willing to sit through this and listen, I say thank you as well, man. And um, um, just, just remember you're special, all of us. All of us are needed. Um, so if you're having a bad day and you're, having a, you're not feeling so great, take time for yourself. Sit down, 
close your eyes, breathe in and out. Just know that um, you're, you're going to be all right because you're needed and you're special and you're loved. If no one else loves you, I do. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. All right, guys, this is another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast with the legendary <laughs> Curtis Cook. Uh, make sure you check him out on his new upcoming what, movie, West Side Story with Spielberg. See, legendary. Um, but all right, this was it. Peace. Thank you, man.